Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm Sai, your host, and this is the Danny Batten Fight Show, episode number 28. We're talking UFC Vegas, I think it's number four from last night with the main event of Justin Poirier, uh, Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker, which was an absolute banger of a fight. It was very enjoyable, enjoyable card altogether. Um, but before we get to that, as usual, you can get this show and all our previous shows on all different subjects from mental health, MMA, boxing, films, TV, football, and more. YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. Please subscribe. That's the best way to support the show and the channel. And now uh, you can get the audio versions at all the usual places, podcasting apps and radio apps. You can get Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, loads of others. Everywhere we are, everywhere. And uh, joining me to talk last night's UFC, we have former Cage Warriors champion, a British MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, Sai. All good. Good week? Yeah, yeah, good week. Yeah, no complaints there. Gym's open yet? Or? No. <laughs> I know. Got to try hard. Uh, Just not doing yeah, enough. Yeah, I don't know, but I do feel like we're in the latter stages uh, of our restrictions, and uh, well, there'll always be restrictions there for a long time. But in terms of like getting our gym open, I think we're we're on the verge. Let's hope anyway. We better hope so, mate, because um, with that cage warriors three night thing coming, you uh, yeah, you got to have somewhere to train your fighters. Um, That's it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Joining us. Is Cage Warriors featherweight 
BST hot prospect. And I forgot to answer, ask him how to pronounce his surname, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> Jordan Vucinic. How are you, mate? That's better than Danny's ever done it, so fair play. Oh, oh, no way. And you didn't even tell me how to say it. That You told Danny how to say it, and he still couldn't say it right. There we go. How are you, mate? You okay? I'm, yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good, my end. So, before we get into the UFC, obviously, um, this week they announced that uh, Cage Warriors are returning to action with uh, tri- three nights in a row uh, on UFC Fight Pass in September, uh, which is going to be very interesting because I would assume that they're going to want uh, all their biggest fighters fighting on those three nights. And I would um, I, I would anticipate jam-packed cards, Dan, do you think? Yeah, I, I think if they're planning to do three in a row, they're going to have to keep people's interest um, in watching all three. So I'd imagine they're going to stagger the big names uh, each show. So I think you're going to have a, a feature fight for the first one and even more so and even more so again for the third. I imagine that's how they're going about doing it anyway. Yeah, and I think at the moment, Cage Warriors have got quite a good mix, haven't they? Of like really exciting young talent, and then they've got a couple of established names as well at the top, which then I think they could maybe you know put the established names on the maybe the night two and night three in the main events. Maybe I'd like to see them give like the first night, maybe give a main event to someone a bit younger, um, you know, let them try and make a name for themselves. Because with three nights, there's no reason why you have to put three established fights on as the main event for each night. You could spread it out a bit, spread the love, yeah. as it were. Um, of course. So, Jordan, what can you tell us about Cage Warriors in September, mate? What are you allowed to tell us? It's not what I'm allowed to tell you. I don't know anything. Right. You know just as much as <laughs> Danny, what can you tell us about Cage Warriors in September? Um, Well, all I can tell you is that uh, they're very keen to have uh, Jordan on. But the difficulty we have with Jordan is trying to get an opponent that will take a fight with him. I think that's the the most difficult uh, thing. Um, You know, we want Jordan still to grow his skill set and season. He's got all the skills in the gym, but needs just to mature them with the right types of opponents. Um, It seems the only one that take him on. Are the one or the really ones that are really well established, but even even they can be a bit shy at times. It seems frustrating because I, I had this during a oh. period of my, my career, and there's nothing worse than uh, training for people, keep getting pullouts, and uh, never knowing when your next fight's coming up. Very very annoying. Well, I noticed when um, when you fought Jordan uh, on Cage Warriors 109, you fought um, Conman yeah. or Dare, um, and he yeah. was actually. One of Jack Shaw's opponents, wasn't he, Dan? Which we did the yes, that's right. reviews on, yep. which I found quite uh, quite interesting. But I mean, I, I would assume that uh, Jordan, you're just itching to get back into it now, are you, mate? Yes, and if if uh, bike riding and running helps you win fights, <laughs> then I'm going to beat everybody because since the gym's <laughs> been shut, that's all I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, funny enough, like I got. Um, a few friends like from various MMA promotions and they're like that's all I see is pictures of their Instagram and Facebooks of just bike rides running just yeah they'll be bloody going in the Tour de France before they fight again at this rate yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah okay so 
Okay, it'd be interesting. I was I was looking at the like the Cage Warriors roster overall, and um, you know, there's some big names to fill. Assuming they're all fit and raring to go, there's um, some big names which they could potentially match. You know, match up over three nights, and I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a couple of um, British-based UFC maybe guys on there because it's on UFC Fight Pass. You wouldn't be surprised if they uh, maybe saw one or two on there. But um, let's have a look at this roster of talent. So obviously you've got like people like Paddy the Body Pimblet, who uh, I would assume you know is gonna. He he's itching. Well, I know he's itching for a fight because obviously his last fight got pulled and then he had all that trouble. Then he had what, a fight. Wait. Is he going to do it a featherweight or is he going to be lightweight? See, he's um, flipped around a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah, I think his last one was a lightweight, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, Jordan's, you know, he, you have taken lightweight fights, but predominantly, you know, it's going to be Seven, featherweight uh, yes. that we're. Yeah, it's going to be featherweight that Jordan's aiming. But then the other yeah, thing as well is if you've got like Jai Herbert, who I think he signed with the UFC, didn't he? So yeah, and then mm. like obviously Modestus has gone to UFC. Um, you got Oban Elliott, I would I know is itching to fight. Um who else is there? Tom I'm assuming Tom would would like a fight soon enough. Um So there's some names, mate. I'm just trying to find I can't find my list. I had a list of all the current currently signed athletes and I can't find it now, typically. Um But yeah, they're gonna they're gonna stack those three cards. Jam packed yeah. for the fights all the mm. way through. I'd have thought. Um, so yeah, Cage Warriors back in September. It's going to be a busy week, Danny, for us doing podcasts. Oh my god, that's going to be crazy! Insane, mate, isn't it? Especially if UFC carries on with the bloody schedule they're putting out. Between, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Trying to fit in like six shows into one podcast, we'll have to have yeah. like a rotating special guest throughout the same show, <laughs> just to like keep them awake. But um. Yeah, I th- I'm looking forward to it. I've been uh, I've really enjoyed the last few Cage Warrior shows. Um, so, before we get into that UFC uh, from last night, which was a really good show, really enjoyable show, particularly the main event was insane. I wanted to ask you both about um, Mike Perry uh, fought in the UFC last night with no corner men, just his girlfriend and a cat man. I've never seen any. I've never seen that before, and I thought I, you know, he, he won comfortably. He won all three rounds. Um, what did you think of that, Dan? As someone who's you know who's a, who's a coach and a cornerman, like yeah, I mean ultimately it's the fighter that's in there and, and getting it done. But um, sometimes when you're in there and you're caught up in the anxiety and the stress of what what's happening, um, sometimes you could you, you can not reading to where you are in the fight. So that's when the corner of prep you up saying, hey, look, you need more work rate or, you know, you'll, you'll keep circling into his power hand. It could be any of these pieces of advice that will obviously come in useful. I think the reason he got away with it was the fact that um, he was just better than this guy. He's more physical than this guy. Um, yeah. Although uh, Gaul did impress me with the improvements he's made on his striking. He just didn't have the kind of stature to hurt uh, Mike Perry enough and Mike Perry just kept walking him down. Uses physicality, but 
had uh, Gaul be able to put some serious questions uh, to Mike Perry and then go back to his corner and not have someone to perhaps give him some suggestions to how to go about changing the direction of the fight, then you might have seen some difficulties there. But every, each time he went back to his corner, you, you can say that he won the round. So, yeah, everything was quite relaxed in there. But, yeah, when push comes to shove and things get difficult, that's when you're going to need um, a corner team to to tell you some home truths and to put the firecracker up your ass if you need it and so on and so forth. It's also, it's like, um, it's just having different opinions and different views, different ideas, isn't it? Um, and I think the thing which struck me is like, like we discussed last week, Dan, is Mickey Gall is good, you know, on the ground and stuff, but maybe his striking is not great. But he has made massive improvements, like you mentioned, but also those whilst those improvements were good technically they weren't really coming with a great deal of power like mike perry mm. was just walking them down which obviously we'll get into when we cover the fight what did you sure. think of that as as a fighter jordan seeing uh seeing mike perry with you know just his girlfriend basically and cut man do you know what uh that's one of my most badass moments never made so far when i was amateur me and my mate dan good drove from where we are in Corby up to Leeds. So it took us like three hours to get there. I only had him in my corner. We didn't even know how to wrap my hands. <laughs> and I went out, to be fair. I fought a BJJ brown belt and I knocked him out in the first round of my head kick. So I can't, <laughs> I can't say anything. Or yeah, just leave it at that. But yeah, it was, I find it quite funny just because like she, the two things that I heard her say were, I think she said about halfway through the second round, punch him in the face, like during the fight. <laughs> And then after the first round, like when she was icing him down, she kind of just went, oh, yeah, you're doing you're doing really good. And that was like the limit of it. And I was like, OK, I said, you didn't hear any promises being put up. No, uh, knock, him, knock, like him, knock him out and you'll get lucky later. But <laughs> it was just it was strange because like they kept going to the corner when she, like in between the rounds, I think trying to pick up just on what she was going to say, because, you know, they're fascinated by it and. They just really weren't. It was just like silence. It was just. Mm. It was just odd. But I don't think yeah. he can go into fights against top tier talent and do that. I gotta say, yeah. like, like Mickey Gall's got a bit of potential. I wouldn't necessarily put him up there as like a top fifteen fighter. So if I wouldn't, well, you never know. I suppose maybe he's more comfortable with no one. You know, no, he likes to just get on with it himself. But, mm. you, know, you know, to be fair to him, he made weight. He looked in awesome shape. He did everything professionally. But you just think against, uh, like, a top 15 fighter, would he get away with having no advice and no coaches and nothing? I don't know. Not so sure myself. Um, mm. Jordan, just overall, mate, just quickly, what did you think of the last night's UFC card? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I thought it was bang on, especially the main event. I think that's what that's where mm. we're gonna have most fun talking about, isn't it? But mm. I, I, like I said to you before uh, we start recording, it'd be good if we could somehow bring over when everything's back to normal the, how the crowd silence, so you know you can hear every shot landing. It'd be good if mm. there was somehow, or even if from at home on the telly, the the UFC could sort of block out the crowd noises when yeah, they want good. to, so you could hear those mm. like specific shots landing. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. good. Like, like, it, like now with them when you watch football and stuff, you can, if you press the red button, you can have like fake crowd noise, 
So it'd be quite good yeah. if you could just like press the red button, take the crowd noise out of it, because um, yeah, yeah I, I'm starting to really enjoy the lack of fans in some ways. Um, and I'd like, like I said to you before the show, like it was in the um, the Mike Perry and uh, Mickey Gore fight. There was one point where Mickey he had uh, he was on top of Mickey Gore right at the end of the second round, I think it was, and he hit him with this elbow, and it was so loud, it like yeah. echoed around the arena. And I was just surprised that Mickey Gore got up. Um, yeah, Danny, what did you think of it, just overall? Yeah, really good. It was a a, a mixed bag. You had fights that went the distance. You had submissions. Um, you had some knockouts and knockdowns. It was uh, yeah, it was good, and it was a really high level performance from from all that competed. To be honest, they they all fought out out of their skins, um, and that always impresses me. You know, when someone can go in there and perform better than maybe you even expect them to um always rises my eyebrows and makes me have added respect for them some some real tenacious performances out there oh yes very good so the first fight was um sean woodson versus uh julian erosa um, which was a, a very enjoyable fight to watch uh danny will take us through that kind of your thoughts of the first round yeah um yeah woodson was coming out obviously clearly tall, lean and rangy and he knew how to use that to great effect. Uh, he, he just looked incredible. Uh, the accuracy was really impressive as well um, and the work rate. He was uh, throwing all his shots with real efficiency and actually something that you know I've discussed with my students in the recent past is about you know only throw your shots hard as you can either to punch you out of a bad situation or to finish you know once you've already hurt someone initially you want to be throwing your shots at anything between 75 and 80 85 percent power and, and exactly what woodson was doing he, he was having precision and having the work rate that he did because he wasn't throwing with full 100 percent hip and foot twist he was punching very much from the shoulder and accumulating just a mass of punches and kicks um and, and that was really impressive i think it's absolute correct strategy for him to to use but you know respect to rosa as well as much as he was getting hit and tagged up he was carrying on trying to shut Sean Woodson down. He was just coming at him from the get-go. Um, but nevertheless, it put Arosa down in that first round to me. He just received too many strikes. Um, it was nice to see that they weren't affecting him and he was willing to still try to mix it up, try to create his own successes. But he did put him behind in that first round. What? Um, who did you give to that first? Who did you give that first round to? I gave it to uh, Woodson. Uh, and Jordan, what did you think of that first round, mate? Yeah, I thought the same. Uh, Julian, the thing with Woodson is he didn't really mix any takedowns up with it, though. I think that's initially mm. what got him so tired towards the end. But, uh, mm. yeah, Arosa was doing good from his side. But, yeah, taking too many shots, landing the odd low kick here and there. But, yeah, taking too much damage first round. And did you give that first round to uh, Woodson as well, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't heavily one-sided, but, yeah, it was uh, the majority yeah. in his favour. Yeah, I was the same. Just about give it to Woodson. Um, and then round two, Dan? Yeah, round two was uh, good because uh, Arosa made his intentions that he was going to try to squeeze the endurance out of Woodson. And this always makes for a great visual um, for the spectators. Um, he started really pressing Woodson back. And Woodson was looking like he was, not say fatiguing, but maybe feeling the pressure. He was getting backed up against the fence. And also Rosa was shooting in a little bit more often as well to give Woodson some, some more aspects to think about. 
Um, but I still feel like a Rosa was receiving too many strikes. Um, you know, so push come to shove. I still still gave the nod uh, for Woodson on his work rate of strikes. But you were seeing the tide begin to turn. But in a three round fight, you really don't want to be going two rounds down. And that's how I felt it was um, going into the third round. I, I gave the second round also to Woodson. And uh, Jordan, round two, mate. Um, I don't know. I I thought Arosa took the second round. I think uh, Woodson's. That's when you really start to see him start to fade towards the second round. Um, am I right? He got ticked down in the second. I'm sure. Yeah. I know it wasn't for a brief. long period of time, but yeah, Arosa was. Yeah, Arosa was doing a lot more of the wrestling, and and Woodson's shots just didn't have the pop on them anymore towards the second. And mm. I don't know if that's because he's cut so much weight from being six foot three. Um. But yeah, I'd give the second round to Rosa. Yeah, I gave that second round to Rosa as well. Mm. You're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the punch tally on that? Because I think the punch tally was in Woodson's favour as well, wasn't it? Is there a way of getting that up to have a little? I'm sure I'll have to have a look. I'm just going to try and see if I can can see it. Second round. I don't know how I'd find it, but I'm going to try. Second round starts. What was it, Woodson and uh, Arosa? Yeah, I thought just Woodson looked real fatigued in that second round. Yeah, he was Um, getting pressured, without a doubt. Altogether, significant strikes. It was like throughout the whole three rounds. It was 103 to Arosa and 106 to Woodson. Uh, Right. I I suppose that's because the third round, Arosa just... Yeah, Arosa really ran him over in that third round yeah i can't find anything for the round by round unfortunately yeah because i think woodson was still way up on overall strikes and woodson got a knockdown didn't he i can't remember which round it was i think that was uh that was a third round wasn't it yeah i think that was yeah third round this was a catch wedge wasn't it uh, yeah, it was a 150, uh, 150 pound catch weight. Catch weight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Arosa took it on really short notice, didn't he? Yeah, like super short. He only found out about it on Monday. Did his tests yeah. on Tuesday. Trained on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then uh, that was it. So, yeah, it's one of those like to take it on that short notice and then really like win. Like the the second two rounds, he kind of his stamina and Woodson's fatigue is kind of what gave won him the fight. And when you consider that he only took the fight on Monday, that's quite a quite the achievement. Um. So yeah, me and Jordan were right. Rosa won the second round. Um, <laughs> what did you wrongly think about the third round, Danny? And <laughs> um, yeah, this is when you started to to see Arosa's uh, pressure really show through. Grit, determination, clearly. Although to him taking it on short notice, has got good cardio about him, so he's obviously keeping himself in good shape and living living a clean life. Um, yeah, that was what really impressed me. Really, he just forced the error uh, of Woodson, which um, you know he gets caught with his head down standing, and. A Rosa, like he's done this in training a million times, he, just so he had an instinct for that gas, and um, started wrapping it up in, went to the ground and, and and snagged it up and snagged it up real good. Um, there was a sticky moment in that third though, where 
uh, Woodson scores. Uh, I think Woodson scored on lockdown on the Rosa, didn't it? So I've got my notes yeah. a bit squiggly right in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it, it started it started to make me think. Well, maybe all those accumulated shots from that first round are taking hold of a Rosa in the third. But a Rosa used that wrestling to, to floyd any more attacks being put on him. But that finish was utterly impressive. It really was. You got remember how tall that Woodson is? He's practically six foot three, and he managed to catch him and snag him with his head down like that. Um, and ran through with that Das, um, a really, really good good finish. I felt that, you know, because he was two rounds down in my mind, I, I felt that that's why he had such urgency to go for the submission, which also proves that I was right. <laughs> Desperation. Yeah. Desperation, Dan. Um, Jordan, what did you think of this this uh, fight? Like, Arosa won this round regardless of whether yeah, he finished. Think... Regardless of whether he finished it. <laughs> He would have won the won the bout clearly anyway. Yeah, I think Arosa knew he was up from that clearly one second round that he had. So I think going into the third, I think he again from being in there, Danley knows himself. You you know when someone's tired, and he just stayed so much closer in the third round as well, landing the shots in the pocket, uh, and then yeah, when he locked up that dash from standing and dragged him down to the floor. Beautiful. Uh, you just sort of knew it was over, yeah. And it was like a modified, um, it was like a modified necktie the way he finished it as well on the bottom. Mm. Um, Woodson was doing the right things, but once it's locked up, it's and you're that tired, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I always think, like, obviously, being not being a fighter or anything, but I always think, like, when fighters look tired, that type of choke just looks so much more difficult to get out of because yeah. the mind is not thinking as quickly as. You know, as it would normally, and and then yeah. you just don't make the same adjustments that you would if you were fresh. And uh, that was it. After two minutes forty-four, of round three, Julian Arosa was back in the UFC with a impressive victory. Mm. Um, and even he, he said, in, in, the "Yeah, winning two guys, two <laughs> rounds against the high-level guy, and choking <laughs> him out. What more can you do?" But uh, I got to say, guns, Danny. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. The um, must be quickly writing, mate. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Do you know though? He said in his interview afterwards, like that, um, like he never expected to be back in the UFC. But then you look at it, like previously, he I think he was on a three-fight losing streak. So to come in on short notice, win convincingly, yeah. choke a guy out, finish, and then you know. Maybe that'll give him a bit of confidence to push on because he looked pretty impressive. Like, other than that, yeah. maybe the first round he looked good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he was impressive. Uh, next up was Jason Witt versus Takashi Saito. Uh, only forty-eight seconds for this one. Uh, yeah, I don't have a great deal to talk one. about. Yes, yeah, uh, pages yeah, and pages got... of notes. Go on, Dad. Yeah, got. Got, got caught with the one-two, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, the other guard had a, a little bit of, not even a low guard, but a little bit of an outward guard. We talk about holding different forms of guard uh, in our training. And um, he was holding his guard slightly uh, loose, uh, a little bit too relaxed, not in the form of being down, but too outward stretched. Um, yeah, and you know, Takashi caught him with the one-two, and that head to a very slippery slope to a stoppage. Um, responded correctly by trying to get the takedown to try to stop the follow-up shots but yeah. yeah he only got hold of one leg leaving the hip open to be able to strike 
with the other arm and uh, yeah the ref steps in as we're seeing so often now we're seeing the ref stepping in quite quick uh, these days with the ground and pound uh, but good stoppage nevertheless yeah anything to add to that uh, Jordan no not really uh, fair play to the other guy he did all the right things trying to get the takedown but when you've been rocked that bad he, he probably just mm. that was probably just instinct grabbing on that leg and obviously got followed up with the ground and pound it was all over 48 seconds. Uh, next up was Brendan Allen versus Kyle Dukas. Uh, Danny, round one. Yeah, this was a really, really good fight. Um, you know, had we not had the kind of main fight that we had, this would have been the, the, the fight of the night. Um, uh, Kyle is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, is it Darkus? Ducas or something. I'm going to call him Carl. Um, you know, really tall, really rangy, and really fluent as well, and stayed so so relaxed. But they were so well matched in every area. They both seemed very very good in their wrestling, very very good in their striking ability, their composure, their grappling ability, and as a, a real technical fest, along with a good dabbling of physical exertion as well. It looked utterly tiring. Um, they stayed skillful and conducted themselves well throughout uh, the, the whole of the fight. But um, but that first round, I, I edged it for Brendan Allen. Um, he, he just seemed to come on top. He was a little bit crisper in everything he was doing. Um, and in the exchanges, he just seemed to always slightly come off well, um, come off better. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know which round it was actually that uh, Kyle Drakas got cut in. I, I don't know whether it's that first one, but he ended up getting a nasty cut. It may well have been in that first round. But yeah, it was a nasty... Nasty deep cut and a bad location. So, um, you know, we're yeah. kind of lucky to get through the remaining rounds with that nasty cut the way he did. But by the end of it, they were both bleeding. But that first round I gave to Brendan Allen, um, who's always impressed me. Yeah, you'll be happy to know that this time you were correct that, um, that <laughs> Allen did win, did or did win that first round. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. I think he, I thought he got cut in this round towards the end, um, and it was yeah. a nasty cut as well. Um, Jordan, round one. Yeah, um, however you pronounce the name, the Kyle Dickass, whatever his name Kyle, is. Kyle, he, was the one, he was the one pushing the wrestling as well. He was the one looking to take down, but I know he kept getting swept on the ground reversed. Um, I've not watched a lot of uh, Allen's fights, but I suppose he's got a good choke on him because that's what he kept looking for. And it was getting him in... At the, at the same time he was using it to sweep and get himself in good positions, he was also falling. At one point, he took his back, went for the choke and slipped off. So, uh, yeah, first round to him, but some there was some bad decision making. But it happens in every every fight, every round. You make some bad decisions and some good. But yeah, round to uh, Alan. And uh, oh, Jordan, we'll stay with you. Then we'll switch it up a bit. Um, what did you make of round two? And who did you give it to? Um, again, again, round two was exactly just the same as round one. It was round one where uh, the Kyle got cut badly, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and again, you first round, yeah. Uh, there was a lot more striking in round two, though. Uh, keeping it on the feet, Southpaw versus Orthodox. Um, round two, um, uh, I can't say who I'd give it to. I didn't watch this round two as clear. Round two is where uh, Alan swept him, though, with the guillotine attempt right from the beginning. Um when the Kyle got the takedown, he got swept of the guillotine. But I'm sure that Allen reversed him and got on top 
I'd say Allen won through the ground and pound second round. Landing some nice elbows and tying him up well. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Alan won. Well done. And uh, Danny, what did you make around two, mate? Yeah, this is a really good round. This is where we, you know we see them going toe to toe on the ground, and not just the feet. Uh, they had yeah, some confident exchanges on the ground. Um, Brandon kept going for that guillotine uh, for a submission attempt, and also using it to reverse the position to get on top. Although a couple of times it did lead him to be underneath as well for yeah. the middle duration of the, the rounds. But um, Brandon Allen was able to scramble and get himself back up on top as well to end the round strongly. Um, and so, you know, it, it forced me to give uh, Brandon Allen the nod in that second round as well. It just seemed that the, with these crazy exchanges, he's always able to, to somehow end up on top in the more dominant position. Although, you know, Kyle was definitely given... Uh, Brendan some issues, definitely giving him some some questions to go back each time after each round. Uh, but he was still on the receiving end of what Brendan Allen was doing rather than what Carl was putting on Brendan. So, yeah, another really good round. I'm, I was utterly impressed with both of them throughout, though. Um, there was that knockdown as well, which was interesting because he kind of launched the strike right at the end. But he has already committed the strike when the buzzer went, um, which knocked mm. Carl to, to the ground. I don't think it was overall... Um, Changed what the result of the fight would have been. Um, you know, these things can happen. Uh, it was not done on purpose. It was it was done by accident. But yeah. they both really thing, impressed me with their grappling. Another thing to add as well that Kyle kept doing, uh, he kept, from the guard, he kept getting him in a body triangle from off his back, body triangling. That's right. And I yeah, think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're doing that, you sort of can't submit or anything there. You're just sort of holding on. And I think mm -hmm. he was wasting time with it. Yeah. Which could have been winning with it. And, or did uh, something pro -weapon. Yeah. What about round three, uh, Dan? Yeah, round three went to the ground pretty quick. Um, the sudden you had Douglas on top and looking in control for a, a good portion of that first round. You know, it was uh, beginning to look like Brandon Allen maybe have, you know, shot his load in terms of his energy. Um, was getting north-south, back to side control. Um, looking bloodied himself. He got a nasty uh, strike to the... Uh, I think it was an elbow that caught him in the, in the under eye. Really affected his eye socket. He had swelling there instantly. Blood blood coming also from his nose. And uh, and Douglas was was on his back. And, uh, yeah, it looked really uncomfortable times for uh, for uh, Alan. But Alan persevered. You know, he just endured it through. I think he knew he was two rounds up. Uh, he just had to play it safe. Um, and he did so, you know, well enough. Uh, to run himself through to the end of that round. But what a great performance, you know, from Ducker to try and pull that round out of the bag, but maybe a little too too late in a three-round fight. And also, Brendan Allen was still able to break free from having his back taken for, what, for about three, four minutes and still yeah. end with a mass flurry. But the flurry was too late to pull back that round. Um, utterly impressed with both of them, and I will be looking at their careers a little bit more closely after their performance tonight or last night. Yeah, they were both very, very impressive. Um, and did you say you gave that last round to Alan, Mitch? Oh, Ducas won that, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, on the last yeah, round. yeah, I think, you know, that could have even been a 10-8 along with mm -hmm. the damage and the dominance yeah. of the positions. The fact that Alan turned it around in that last sort of like minute or so and had that little mad flurry stopped it from being a 10-8 round, which would have definitely 100%. made it interesting because you could have been looking at a draw then. Yeah, 100%. yeah, for sure. Um, anything to add, uh, Jordan, for round three? Nah, Danny summed it all up. Well done, Danny. Well done, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
bad position <laughs> for four minutes. Uh, but I think that I think the blood as well from that um, Kyle in his eyes. Um, I mean, that yeah, it, tr- great for it, it did look like it must have troubled him because it was going into his eye the whole time. Although he weren't wiping it away, it's got to have affected your clarity of mind while you're trying to transition and stuff. Yeah, constantly in your eyes, isn't it? Um, yeah. So well done, Danny. You made up for your error in your analysis of the first fight <laughs> by uh, by wrapping up the third round well. Um, yeah. So we had uh, Brendan Ireland defeated Kyle Dugas by a unanimous decision: twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty seven, thirty, twenty seven. Uh, next up was Gian Vilente. Versus Morris Green. This was the heavyweight fight, uh, which was really, really they had a weird finish. This did. Um, Jordan, what did you make of round number one? So this is the one I haven't seen, so I can't comment right, okay. on this one. Okay, oh, so yeah, we'll, we'll leave this one said. to Danny. I'll let Danny yeah. take over. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, Valente, uh, an experienced guy, you know, big guy in his own right, but facing the, the huge mountainous Maurice Green, standing six foot seven. And Green did exactly what he should do, uh, which was trying to keep a, a, a good work rate, um, you know, stay, stay disengaged, use his length, use his size. Um, and he worked really well on that. I think he, he, he went at a work rate that weren't exhausting him. But he was just chipping away all the time and um, and getting ahead on that scorecard, and it was all for Valente to try to find find a way around that. And I think you know he was struggling as much as he's an experienced guy. He was struggling to find a way in, um, and so you know Maurice Green kind of cruised through that first round. Really, to be honest, it looked um, a little bit too easy for him. You know, he worked up a sweat like he was just having a workout on on a bag, and of course, as we know, a punch and kick bag can't follow and track you down and that's what he looked like really he was punching and kicking at, at Valente and, and Valente was trying to hunt for him just couldn't find him I think he was finding the height and the length a little bit too difficult in that first round um, convincingly went over to Maurice Green for the win on that first round yeah um, I thought uh, I thought Valente won this round really yeah I did um, only just very very close just thought is um, overall. What, what, do you know what the scoring was on the? Because uh, I'm sure he must have been Green. Must have been because Valente did land a, not I think one decent strike in it. But to me, it looked like uh, Maurice Green was just out pointing him. Is that another bad decision from no. Danny? No, well, it would not be. It's my, it's my and I'm going to prove you two wrong. I'm trying to find the stats on that other one. No, <laughs> I just accept defeat gracefully. What sort of example are you showing your fight? Yeah, have you not got the strike stats for this one? Oh, I've lost them, unfortunately, so... No, funny that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just felt that... No, to me, it looked like Green was being versatile as well. He was stamping at the knee. Um, he was landing elbows as well. He was doing long-range elbows, not even clinch ones. Um, it looked like it, that he was just pouring out those singles, doubles and triples in combination. Um, Valente was doing all the stalking and even when he went back to his corner his cornerman were telling him off saying look you're doing all the right thing getting the right location and then not doing anything with it and that's mm. what I saw he was doing a lot of stalking with no real work rate because he couldn't find his range against the tall Morris screen um, you know, I'm looking back at the round now and just trying to chip through it quick and I can't see where Valente was doing um, any productive work he was hunting for the big shot and the whole time he was hunting for the big shot Green was throwing four or five 
shots, okay, not all landing, but he's firing four or five shots compared to Valente's one haymaker. Here we go. You're still wrong. No. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, round two, mid. Round two, yeah. Um, to me, this is where um, Rhys Green started to really, you know, find his feet. He was all warmed up, finding his range even more. Um, to me, he was just he was just putting it on uh, Valente, um, throwing some high kicks as well. Um, some of those high kicks look that <laughs> they had a hell of a lot of weight behind them. Uh, being Rhys is such a big unit of a man. Um, I think uh, Valente had the right idea. Um, he definitely had to try to push close, but he was pushing close, then stopping as Maurice Green was throwing his, throwing his shots. So I think he should have carried on pushing close, even though Maurice was throwing his shots. He should have been pushing through and throwing with him and stepping in on it to try to try to create that in pocket warfare. But yeah, he he just wasn't doing it. He was he was teasing Maurice back, but Maurice was the one throwing all the shots to me. He was landing low points, high kicks, punches. Yeah, just getting outworked. Don't yes. tell me you've got Valente winning that round. Of course. Um, and then round three, talk me through this and the 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 finish. I just the finish was strange. Yeah, so you know it was looking good for Valente. You know, he to me, I felt that he was two rounds down, and um, you know he managed to get the situation where it's on the ground and he, he really was going at him you know he connected on the feet he followed up on the ground he landed loads of dirty looking elbows but it must have been more to the forearm than it was the point of the elbow because there wasn't a mark or a bruise um it, it, that seemed to show up on Maurice Green's face so yeah, yeah I'm thinking maybe it's the forearm that was landing on him more but they looked brutal he had a lot of venom behind him and I thought there was a real risk that this fight could get stopped um but Maurice stayed methodical. He, he looked intelligent throughout his defence. He, he received the shots clean as positively as you can in the, in, in the way that he looked like he has his faculties all about him. And Implantis began to tire from the barrage that he had put in on green, began to tire with it, and the pace slowed down. And we had this really unusual situation where um, Maurice, with his extremely long arms, was able to bed in an arm triangle from underneath. Um, and... Uh, the commentator was saying that normally to finish this, you would have to work your fist into the side of the neck, which is how I understand this technique to, to work and be effective. But when you're super tired and you're exhausted, you've got to remember Valente's just went through two rounds of hard contest. And the third round where he had to bust a nut, try and put the fight away, was unable to, then gets caught in a top positioned arm triangle. He must have been gasping for air. And you've got to remind yourself how big Maurice Green is. He's a six foot seven guy. That's a monstrous size. Nice, um, you know, we've got one guy who matches him for height. Um, we call him Giant Lucas. And trust me, he can just do things what other people can't with his arms and legs. Um, and the leverage that someone gets with the length of those limbs is, is phenomenal. So I think although the technique was not able to be implied as if it was in a top position arm triangle, I think the fact that the size of the man enabled him to be able to get the leverage with those arms and the combination of the tiredness, which put Valente's out. Um, but I was really, overall, really impressed, impressed with the big man. Sometimes when you see someone reaching over six foot five, they can look uncoordinated and look a little clumsy. 
Uh, although there were times Maurice did look a little clumsy when he was getting caught by Valencia. I think initially when he was on the attack, he looked very, very good, looked well unbalanced. I think he's a much improved person from his previous fights. And kind of excited to see how people are going to deal with that awkward body composition, being that he's so tall. Yes. Yeah, it was... He just looked so tired by the end, though, didn't he? Um, Valente. Like, he genuinely looked just exhausted. And... Um, he just struggled with it. He just, he just when he got that um, arm triangle in, he just couldn't. Uh, he just couldn't do anything to to, to remotely to, he, look he, like getting. Yeah, out he was stuck in a half guard. He, he had to pull his leg out to give himself hope of pulling free from that position. But it was like he was just too exhausted to. He literally gave it his all um, with that last attack. I think nine out of ten times that kind of attack going on someone would would put someone away. I just think that the massive size of Maurice Green was his saving grace, both for him receiving that punishment that he got in that third round and the fact that he was able to pull the submission off his back with those incredibly long arms. Um, definitely body composition was to do with the winning result of that match. Yeah, I find, do you know, think fatigue did him as well? Yeah, yeah, combination of, yeah. Um, so, uh, what do we have next up? Mike Perry versus Mickey Gore, which we uh, obviously we touched upon that a little bit um, yeah. at the start of the show, but we'll go into it in a bit more detail now. So, Jordan, you've been quiet for a few minutes. Uh, yeah. Take us through round number one of uh, Mickey Gore and Mike Perry. Uh, yeah, so uh, round one for the first four minutes of the uh, fight, it was all stand up and it was Gal landing the cleaner shots, but on the back foot the whole time. Um, yeah. Perry still doing some good work. And then uh, Perry got the takedown uh, with the last sort of minutes to go and then landed some good ground and pound and was getting off some good um, good stuff from the top. And I think that's what gave him the confidence going into the second round to hunt for that takedown more. We all know Perry as mm. being a stand-up, stand-and-bang guy. Not so much clinical striker, but a stand-and-bang guy. But I think when they sort of hit the ground, it was sort of back and forth on the feet. Nothing ma major landing from either. But then when it hit the ground and you sort of seen Perry evading a, a black belt in Mike Perry, all of it um, in um, Mickey Gall, uh, evading all of his submission attempts, then it, it just sort of gave Perry uh, the confidence. But round one, I think Mike Perry won it. Especially yeah, I think uh, he was very impressive, actually, Mike Perry. Um, yeah. As we mentioned, no coaches. Um <laughs> Mm. I still, I still find it like really, like um, confusing almost. Like I, I just don't understand. Like at the very top level, how you can go into a like a professional fight in the biggest company in the world, mm. and yeah, not have a coach and just have your misses and a cut man. But you know, maybe yeah. all fighters should do that. Just, just go in with their misses in the corner, and you just have like wives and girlfriends fighting. On the outside, um, I was going to call you Graham then, Danny. Danny, what would you say about round number one? Uh, yeah, I Mickey Gall was initially really impressing me. Um, I to me, I was having it in my mind that his strategy would be to try to get uh, Mike Perry to the ground. Really surprised to see him not engage the wrestling um, and choose the strike. Yeah, he was footworking away a little bit. But to me, the first part of the round, uh, Mickey Gall was getting the better of Mike Perry and catching him more often. Um, yeah. 
But Mike Perry, we know he's, he's just relentless. Um, he comes through, he throws everything with vigour. There's nothing super attractive about what he was doing. Um, even when it went to the ground, um, you know, it, there was nothing super sexy about it. It sort of like just picks him up and dumps him down and, and gets it where he wanted to get. But yeah, the, the round went in favour of Perry, really. And I think the, the issue here mainly was not really a technical issue between them both. Mike Perry just looked like the, the stronger athlete. Um, yeah, he had very different body compositions. Mike Perry was just, it just looked like he was just too strong. I wouldn't even yeah. say too technical, he just looked too strong. And Mickey Gould still trying to add to his skill set. He's still uh, a fighter very much in evolution. Um, we definitely seem going to see Mickey Gould improve on this performance. Like, I felt that there was improvements already, but I was really surprised to see that Mike Perry was actually dominating the ground exchanges as well on, on Mickey Gall. But that goes to show you what fatigue and um, and feeling a bit of battery does to you. You know, um, you know, Jordan, I know that you know if you're feeling really exhausted and you have a lower level grappler who's fresh, um, you know, you you, yeah. you suddenly feel that they're a lot better level than they really are. Um, maybe yeah. that was the case of what was happening here. Yeah, I think what um, what Mike Perry does very well is once he does get into that dominant position on the ground, is he finds a way to to pound on his opponents quite quickly yeah. and quite uh, yeah. effectively. Um, you know, look, Mickey Gall, whilst he's improved a lot, what you've got to remember is when he fought CM Punk uh, in that trash fire of a fight uh, a couple mm. of years ago when he came into the UFC, is... He had had one professional fight at that point, and yeah. you know you're talking the biggest company in the world. So he's learning on the job, which not many fighters yeah. get. To, you know, are able to do that, um, let alone get the opportunity to do that in the UFC. Mm. So I, I, I wonder whether you know this could be a case of um, whether he's going to perhaps see out the rest of his contract. Should we say? Is my only yeah. concern. Um, how many fights we'll see... was it? Do we know how many fights he had on his contract? I don't contract? know how many fights. I think he's got. I know he's it's not got at least four one fight left. Um, I Mickey Gall yeah. said going well that he felt Perry was on his way out, didn't he? Did mm. he? Yeah, yeah, he did an interview where he, where he said he felt like Mike Perry was sort of on the decline of his career now, and he was like ready to go out. Right. Oof. Those words. Yeah. Could come I mean. Back the, this was definitely a good fight to match these both up. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Perry's just a pure brute type fighter to me um, and utterly beatable for a good strategy uh, and a good technical uh, fighter. You don't have to be as strong as him. You don't have to be as brutal as him. Um, yeah. And Mickey Gould just, just lacked overall um, skill across the board to be able to take it to where he needed to, to be able to complete a strategy to beat Mick, uh, Mickey Perry. You know, um, you did see, like, so, like, in the second round, um, him shooting on Perry, and he, he shooting, he got up on a single leg clean, and Perry just didn't do anything amazing technically to defend it. He just muscled it. Uh, and this was the problem, really, for Gaul. Um, I think if we could see a Gaul two years from now fight, the Mike Perry of the day, I think you would see a very, very different performance, but just lacking in a little overall solidarity in his game and, and Mike Perry's experience and, and he's a tough dude. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, not to take anything away from Mickey Gore, I was impressed with what I saw from Mike Perry, but really, I want to see Mike Perry up against the higher end of calibre opponent to see if whether he's still got it. 
Um, I can't yeah. really tell whether he's still got it from this performance alone because I don't think Mickey Gall uh, was, was up to much to push Mike Perry, to be fair. No, he didn't have the power to trouble him, did he? He was able to it just walk, like, yeah. walk, walk him down every time, really. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's always going to be problematic when you're fighting someone yeah. who's a striker, if they're able to walk you down. Um, anything you wanted to add, uh, either yeah. of you, to just about well, round yeah. three? Well, was the big, I just want to finish off that. At the end of the second. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 there yeah. was th there was things to, to to be had from it. Yeah, there was really good Kimura escape as well. Um, that um, I think it's it Mickey Gould that did it. Hang on, let me have a look here. Yeah, it's Mickey Gould did the Kimura sweep. Yeah, you know, which was you know kind of creative. It goes to show you know, he has got he has got the 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 mindset and the game to 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 have successes. It just yeah. it's all being done on the job, like you said. Um, yeah, it's just. Unfortunate, really, that he's in the UFC with such little experience overall. But um, yeah, I hope they give him another shot at someone that's perhaps more feasible for him to face. Although I did think that Mike Perry was a good kind of matchup for him because uh, Mickey Gall, you know, skill for skill, had the areas that he was better than than Mike Perry in. But the the fatigue and the physicality uh, took away from that strong skill set, and Mike Perry won through. Uh, yeah, Jordan, anything else you wanted to add, mate? No, just exactly what Danny said. Stuff to take down. I think uh, maybe Gold going into the second must have thought, right, let's not let him get on top. Let's us get on top. Yeah. And then yeah, Mike Perry sort of uh, did a reach round, sort of just held his own, muscled out of it, landed some yeah. big shots on the ground, and then obviously scored a huge knockdown. And mm. I think with 20 seconds to go, maybe we're saved by the bell with the ground pound towards the end. Yeah, I think so as well. The um the end of the second round, that um that that elbow which finishes yeah. like literally the last moment of the round was yeah. brutal. Horrible. Yeah, um, it was. And I honestly thought he ain't getting up from that. When I when I saw it, I was like, no way he's getting up from that. And he did. Yeah. Which was yeah, you know, yeah, fair, fair play, play to Mickey Gold to, to have the the gumption. Always mm. like that word, gumption. Um is just very impressive. Um, yeah. But there we go. Um, and yeah, round three, uh, Dan. Uh, yeah, round, round three. Yeah, Mike, Mike Perry was now that in full takeover mode. Um, I think Mickey Gore was feeling intimidated as well. Um, he was footworking uh, back. Uh, Mickey, uh, Mike Perry was now just like loading up combinations and not just single punches. He was coming in to stay in the pocket and trade off. It was uh, looking an, an ugly affair for 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 Gore. Um, it is kind of looking defeated as well. There was times that Gore was walking backwards with his guard completely down, um, head looking up. Uh, it, it looked like he was just wanting to get through the round and no longer really trying to look to to win the fight. He had exhaustion. He looked hurt. He looked out of ideas. Um, I feel sorry. I was feeling sorry for the lad. I, I really was. Um, and you know, on the ground, it just got no better for him. Um, it was just brutal, ground and pound. Yeah, he, he he just he had no answers. What what can you do? He he just had no answers for what was coming at him. It, it was just uh, a complete walkover in that final round. Yeah, uh, Jordan. Uh, yeah, he just dominated in the third round. He even sliced into full mount at one stage and just landed some yeah. horrible elbow. 
And Mike Perry, yeah. uh, is he even graded on, on the ground in the gear? No. I don't know even if he's even graded. And obviously, mm, Mickey Gow's a black belt, but it looked the wrong way around. It looked like uh, Mike Perry was the black belt towards the end. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and just landed them big elbows to finish off the round. Yeah. Yeah, he had a little try. He had a little try uh, a triangle at one point, which I was thinking, "Oh my God, don't say after all this is going to get caught by a triangle." But there literally yeah, yeah. was nothing. There was nothing left on the legs of Gore. He had nothing and left again, on even, him. Even the way Perry got out of that, he just sort of spun over and stepped out and come out the back door, didn't he? And just yeah, that's it. Yeah, again. yeah. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, so uh, Mike Perry defeated Mickey Gold, unanimous decision, 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. I actually felt like it was, it, it like, for there only to be one point in it, yeah, um, it doesn't reflect the, the one-sidedness of the fight, I didn't think, because I felt like it was very one-sided. Um, but, you know, that's just the way the scoring goes. Um, Okay, and then we had the main event, and this was a main event worthy oh, bout. It was beautiful. Uh, we had Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker, uh, ranked number three. Dustin Poirier versus ranked number five, Dan Hooker. It was a banger. Um, Jordan, I'll let you start, mate. Tell us. I'm re-watching oh. it again now, if I'm honest with you. Jesus. How good um, was it? Yeah, crazy. I'll, I'll, the first round, I don't think there was one bit of wrestling, was it? It was all striking. And Poirier's nice southpaw, nice boxing. i tell you what Dan Hooker did very well in the first round, which he should have kept up, I think, a bit more going into the late rounds, was the knees to the head. Yeah. Uh, mm. He's got that he long range. Caught him a couple, didn't he? he? Yeah, he kept... And he walks in, he does step in these. So when he walks in and knees your head, because he's so long, he can. a lot of guys have to clinch you and pull your head down, whereas he doesn't even need to pull your head. He can walk in, throw big knees. But Dustin Poirier's boxing's clinical, man. When he's not clinical in big combinations, but clinical in his single shots, his jabs, especially mm. towards the end, he's snapping yeah. his head back with a jab. Um, I don't, first round, Dan Hooker, I think, with the knees to the head. I think, yeah, Dan Hooker, first round. But there's some horrible shots landed. Yeah, I had Dan Hooker the first round as well. So well done for you for being right. Uh, Danny, what did you think of um, that first round, mate? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I thought it was uh, really good. Dan Hooker had a game plan, it seemed. And um, it was the correct type of game plan. Um, I was actually having discussions very similar about this whole opposite footwork set up um, with one of my students, Hattie, um, that... You know, he, he needs to add more aspects into his game about coming off to that lead leg side uh, more often. And you see Dan Hooker doing this. He'd done it very, very well. He was pouring the left hooks in. OK, not all power strikes, but they're touching shots. But it was staying away from the power side, staying away from the potential boxing combinations of Poirier and um, and also hacking on the inside leg, which is a, a, another good thing to do with opposite side stance, trying to stop that boxer winding up on his shots. Um, and... I just wish, and I really think he could have won this fight, Dan Hooker. It was all for him to win. Um, if he carried on sticking to that implementation, but he started to yeah. fight in the pocket more and more and more as the round goes. And this seems to be where Poirier uh, shines. Poirier loves a war, and he's technical with it as well. 
Um, a couple of times he did get a little bit wayward with his hands in the latter rounds. Um, you know, started throwing shots a little off balance, but I think that's partly from exhaustion. Um, but yeah, that, that that was the thing for me. Hooker definitely won that 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 first round. Um, I think the idea of his strategy was being implemented. I think we would have gone back to his corner, and the cornerman would have been very very happy. But better they weren't happy when he started trading off. Uh, in the next few rounds, um, no. this was the wrong thing for Hooker to do. It, it played right into Poirier's hands. It really did. Yeah, he Poirier yeah. wants to make it a war, doesn't he? He wants to make it just blow for blow. You, you go, I go, kind of fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas if Hooker had kept up that strategy, I feel like he probably would have won um, because mm. it. You know, we've we talked about um, how impressive Hooker's been on. He's been on this massive tear just destroying yeah. dudes and some, you know, some real quality opponents as well. Um, yeah. Poirier, though, to be fair, he's never lost two fights in a row in the UFC and he's come off the Khabib fight. I know it was a long time ago because of his injury, but, you know, to come back to that, well, that's, I think that's a fantastic record that you, yeah. he's never lost two in a row because, he's, you know, I'm sure you'll both say, like, once you... Do you know if you do have a loss or a a knockback in life? It's you know it is easy to to kind of have a bit of a knock to your confidence and to maybe just second guess yourself a little bit, even if it's for a short period. So for him to yeah. be able to to constantly come back whenever he's lost, I think is very very impressive. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, he just just they just standard stood and banged for the whole fights in fairness until the yeah. last two but rounds do, when do you know, hooker was struggling and he started to try and take yeah him more. yeah do you know um i think dan hooker w um, started to trade in the pocket partly because of how the fight because his previous fight was with paul felder wasn't it yeah that was his yeah. last fight we felder discussed that retired the because of it. yeah um i was but i think i noticed a comment come up uh, on the screen so uh paul Say felder said come i'd come out of retirement, retirement to fight guys. any of these two yeah, because I actually felt Paul Felder beat Dan Hooker. Um, Did you? Me, oh, that's Dan right. Hooker... We disagree. You were wrong that yeah. night as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, Dan Hooker was just footworking away too much so, just too much so. Um, and I think partly why he stood a little bit more toe-to-toe -to -toe as, as the fight went down was to, to not do that again. So whether it's something that his team had discussed or not, I actually think he actually went against him this time. You know, I think he should have stayed footworking away. I think the way he did his first round is the way he should have kept it. But he started, I don't know, uh, being a fighter in every stretch of the word. He started making a fight of the fight, which I don't think he really needed to have to do that. I think he had the longer reach. He's, got, he's taller. He's got the footwork skill to do it because we've seen that against Paul Felder. I think he should have carried on circling to his left-hand side or to Poirier's right hit on the inside of the leg, that would have started to, to do damage. In fact, you saw the damage in the latter rounds. Poirier's inside shin was getting quite swollen. Yeah, but then those leg kicks, off... he was struggling with those leg kicks early on, yeah, especially, wasn't he? Was. he? You could see him wincing, he, one of them stumbled he, him. He got caught off with a hand battle. You know, it's like when someone kicks you hard on the leg, you feel like you have to kick them hard on the leg back. You know, it's not always that way. It's, yeah, he just started trading hands, and I've got to say, Poyo, some of the shots he landed on Dan were like, Jesus, oh, man! Lane, a lesser man would have fallen. And so, for what we can take from from this is that Dan Hooker's definitely tough. He's still evolving and learning for sure, 
Um, I think this is only ever going to make him stronger and stronger and better. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to be writing him off anytime soon over this performance. And come on, Poye, time and time again, has proved that he can mix it in the top five time and time again. Utley um, Brin, I love watching him fight. He, he's always given a great performance. Um, and I'm sure we'll be seeing him soon once he gets dished up and if bruises go down, we'll be seeing Poye straight back in there again. I wouldn't mind them running this fight back, to be honest. i got to say. Uh, this would be a good one second time around. And my money would be on Hooker again because I think I said that I thought felt Hooker was going to win this fight. Um, yeah. Because I thought he was going to do what he did with Felder, and I think that would have suited him against Poirier. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the case. He, he traded, but he had his moments. I mean, there were times when um, I think it, uh, which round was it? He landed the was it round three or four? He landed towards the latter part of the round, like a four or five hit combination, like a jab, deck, cross, hook, cross. Jab, deck, oh, it's yeah. incredible! Everything landed uh, on Poirier's head. Um, very, very difficult to score uh, the early first two rounds. But the latter ones all went to Poirier. Um, I had it hooker, hooker for the first two. And, and Poirier really took over from then. And um, Poirier kept going for the guillotine as well. Did you notice that as well? Um, yeah. yeah. Even the, yeah, even that the was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it surprised me he went for it as often as he did because it did put him in the bottom position. Um, and, yes. you know, you can lose a round all too easy. But um, he must have, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, he come good out of each round um superb is utterly brilliant and in that round form my i don't know i'm jumping the gun here a little bit no you can't but, um uh, uh Poye did a combination where he went for a triangle on the plata to a guillotine it was like a, a chain of submissions i didn't realize he was as proficient as he was on the ground because we so many times just see him bang and that's how we remember him but my God, it was really, really impressive. But I was really worried for Poye. I think it was, was it at the end of the third when all those combinations land? Jordan, can you remember? No, it was the end of the second. End of the second. He almost got, he almost got stopped. The buzzer went out yes. in the head. Yeah. And he actually I, I didn't... Uh, went down to two knees, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he started shooting in on Dan Hooker in that fourth round, which is exactly what you should really be doing. And um, yeah. up. It, it was great to watch. It really was. Um, this is a fight that I will be watching back again. Um, yeah. I have to learn from it for myself, for, for me and from, for the students. There's things to be taken from this. Yeah. Well, we said last week that we thought the Jeff Josh Emmett fight was um, was right up there as possibly being a, a fight of the year contender. And yeah. um, I think, you know, to have be treated to two fights like that two weeks in yeah. a row is... It's special, man. It's, that was, um, yeah. and that's what that fight was last night. It was special. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you just want to take us through the uh, round four and five, Dan, and uh, oh, I'll tell you what, Jordan, you 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 take us see it from you for a bit. Round um, four and five, yes. mate. So round four and five, it seemed Dan Hooker started trying to press the wrestling a bit more. Because I, I think mm. that was through the fatigue, because yeah, you could see he was physically the bigger man, much bigger than uh, Ore, but again. It might have been too much that he's cut weight. Um, I'm sure he could fight at 77 quite comfortably. Um, but yeah, fourth round, it seemed he was the one pushing um, the wrestling. Um, and pausing, that's what I felt he did too much, was when they hit the wall, he paused. So he sort of mm. let Poirier land his little shots or let Poirier turn away from the fence. And going back to round two, Poirier started shooting more towards, well, started shooting in a lot more in round two. 
and he wasn't so much pushing Dan Hooker up against the fence. And it looked like Dan Hooker probably trains a lot takedown defense, whereas Poirier wasn't looking to take him down. He was looking to press him, hold him, and land shots. And he just seemed to keep getting stuck in those moments. Um, Every yeah. now and again, Poirier would look for that guillotine, wouldn't he? When yes. um, when he got him in close, like yeah, and yeah, like like Danny said in the fourth round, Poirier went for that, went for his back, slipped off the top. He went for a modified triangle, then he switched to the armbar. Uh, oh my platter! I started punching from the armbar. Yeah, yeah, he actually Crazy. used the armbar platter and a guillotine to escape the position. It was um, yeah. pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. Dan, that was a harder round to score, but. Condition. Yeah, I still I still gave it to Poye that fourth round. How about you, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I gave the last three to the action, But Poirier ended mm. up switching it up and Poirier started doing the more efficient damage on the ground, even from the bottom. He was also, when he was in the Oma platter, he was hammer-fisting him from the bottom. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's been... Yeah, I think that Dan Hooker started cruising in the fourth. Uh, and just lost, and the weapons that he was using early, he just stopped the mm. knees to the head. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he come away from strategy, come away from original game plan. Um, I think yeah. he'd already got himself at a state of fatigue um, and was already caught up in the war and caught up in the battle. Yeah. I think that the hurt was there, the exhaustion was there, and you can't think clearly when you've got all these elements going on. Um, so I, I, you know, I didn't take note of what the cornermen were telling him. Uh, in between rounds, but I would have been would have been wanting him to get back out of range and trying to use yeah. footwork, but his footwork went null and void as well. Um, he just had had nothing else left, and he started hunting for the takedown, which weren't always going in his favour. Yeah, um, yeah, Poye, you know, amazes me yet again. You know, he's utterly impressive. I, I think Dan Hooker is on the way up, and I thought he was on the way up to become a contender, but Poye proves again that possibly it should be him that should be in contention to take on the yeah. great Khabib again. I think um, with Dan Hooker as well, he relies more on his like athleticism. I mean, I'm bad for doing that in the yeah. gym as well, but he relies yeah. more on his athleticism. So when push come to shove and they're both tired, it was Poirier that seemed to have the crisper techniques, mm. hence why he was landing the jabs, the straights uh, yeah. on the feet. And and yeah. when you're fatigued, his head was snapping back, man, because he hasn't got that. Yeah the energy it's yeah. absorbed them as well as he could have yeah i really liked as well in the clinch and as they broke poye's hands in the clinch throwing uppercut hooks and then yeah, as they constantly. broke free you know his work rate didn't stop he was you know they're kind of the gray areas of the fight you know as you disengage and stuff but he was throwing every single time off the disengagement and yeah. he, he was filling in those gaps with some some really dangerous looking strikes i mean credit where credit's due for for Dan Hooker to stay up on the feet with some of those shots he's being landed upon. They were clean, yeah. they were technically crisp, um, and they were throwing with intent to put you away, every single one of them. And he received, 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 and was still in there. His face wore it, um, blood, yeah, bruises, um, exhaustion expression, but he was still in the fight right up until the end. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they both fight. mixed up the body as well. They both didn't yeah. hunt. They both mixed up the body well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And Smile on my face from start to finish. Of, they had a little bit of a back and forth after. Poirier walked up to him and said, "I thought you were going to smash my face in." When Dan, yeah, right, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It was um, interesting. It was good to watch, and uh, it's just one of those kind of 
one of those bouts which just remind you of why you enjoy watching this stuff. Um, yeah. It can't be an easy cut for Dan Hooker, definitely not. He's a big, no, he's boy, a big he? dude at the weight. You got, uh, yeah, you might wonder now whether he'll go up. Yeah, because he's he's tall. He's oh, plus six foot, so he's yeah. not going to be short for the uh, welterweights. That's right. He's he's got the frame and the muscularity to come up weight quite easily. I think. Yeah. Yep. So um, next week, Dan, or well, we haven't got a we haven't got a card now until UFC two five one, which is on the eleventh of July. But uh, right. so the show on the twelfth of July, which we're doing, is going to be a live one. However, Danny, you're not here. No. Uh, you're standing. Richard Shaw is also not here because you're away with in Abu Dhabi, you know, with um, yep. Modestus. Richard's away with Brett. So uh, I've got uh, looking for a replacement at the moment for Mr. Daniel Batten. So uh, we'll I'll announce that close to the time. But in the meantime, Danny, we'll go. Uh, We'll go back to our retro reviews and our Jack Shaw uh, looking at the his rise through Cage Warriors up into the UFC, and sure. um, we'll have a we'll have a look at what we're going to do. I can't even remember what UFC number we're on, but we'll have a look. Uh, I'll have a look after yeah. the show and text you, um, Jordan. Got anything else? Uh, anything else planned over the next couple of weeks, mate? Just keeping the weight low uh, and. Hopefully, gyms are all back open soon and we can get back after it. I can do my bag work and stuff, but hopefully the gym's back open and then I'm ready for September, but be really, really ready for September. That's the one. Hopefully. And um, actually, a week Tuesday, uh, I'm recording an episode of Unscripted and Uncensored with Jordan. Uh, I'll be putting a post up in the morning. So send your questions uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's Ace Podcast Nation on Instagram or the Danny Batten Fight Show, which is at Danny Batten FS, uh, and it's the same on Twitter and Facebook and everything as well. And uh, send us questions. You can ask absolutely anything. It doesn't have to be MMA related. It could be absolutely anything. Um, so I think when we did one with you, Dan, we were talking about all sorts of random, uh, random stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're always yeah. a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun. Just depends if the people are kind to you, Jordan. Depends yes. if Danny sends you any questions, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, I will. <laughs> and Jordan, are you on your bed? Uh, well, yes. Yeah, yeah, my missus bought it. It's a proper gy- like uh, a proper traveller bed. I'm telling you, there's about 100 pillows I had to throw out the way <laughs> to get on it. Just to get on the bed. Uh, you still got you got a set of handcuffs up on the top there. What's going on with that? <laughs> Oh, don't watch that, Danny. Don't worry about that. That's from hanging around with you too much. <laughs> Bad influence, he is, see? Bad yes. influence. Um, yes. Right, you Jordan. You learn more about other techniques than MMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, what happened there? Hey, it was just me getting a bit overexcited. I was censoring you. I was cens- censoring you. Um, Jordan, thank you for joining us, mate. It's been a good, uh, no a worries, good one. And uh, we'll uh, obviously I'll text you about uh, next Tuesday, but uh, looking forward to it, mate. Daniel, uh, we'll, yes, uh, thank you. And you. just one more observation, uh, Jordan. Can you see your name there? It just says Cage Warriors Featherweight. 
and under my oh, one, it oh, says Coast Warriors. Oh, champ. champion! <laughs> yeah, but listen, yours was champion back in the day when you were all wearing bloody swimming shorts when you were fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we get you there. We've got one Coast Warriors champion now. My next ambition is to get someone who was going to be a champion at the weight that I was, and um, yeah. yeah, that's the way it's going to be. Answer the job. Yeah, absolutely yeah. believe that. A future cage warrior Jordan Vucinic. Vucinic. Yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. So you say it, Danny. Right, guys, it's been a pleasure. Subscribe to youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Tell your friends, spread the word. The Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday. Podcast Network.